provide uh, documentation of pretty much anything that happened. Well, you know. no, it has it has to be a document. You can't. Good morning. Welcome to G Money Wolves Dainstein. I'm gonna get started here in just one second, but as always, drop a little hot button.
special weird little episode today because my man is on assignment in and out of airports taking care of stuff so i thought this would be fun um after the hustle and bustle of july 4th weekend and all that stuff let's do a little uh jack webb one of my favorites ladies and gentlemen the story you're about to hear is true Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to homicide. There's a mad killer at large in your city. A woman has been brutally slain, the body mutilated. The picture is clear. The killer has a thirst for blood. Your job, get him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, transcribed in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, January 12th. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the morgue and it was 11.23 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Joe. Chief wants to see you. He's in there with Romero. Thanks, Chandler. How's the wife? Fine. How about your mother? Better, thanks. Hi, Joe. Hi. Right in. Sit down. Did they post the body in? In the morning. Pretty messy. Strangled and mutilated. The guy's a maniac, Skipper. The body shows it. Uh, murder like this? Anybody's a suspect. The coroner looked at the body. He says the weapon was a long, sharp instrument. Find her in a hotel down on East 3rd Street. Manager's son discovered her about 7.30. You talked to him? It was too much for him. He passed out. Manager wasn't home. We'll check with him before midnight. Close to it now, Joe. We better get going. All right. The boys from the crime lab check the room? We're still down there, Ed. The place is a mess. Get back as soon as you can. We're working straight through on this thing. That's a hot shot. I'll get it. At the Lux Hotel, room 219, corner of South Grand and Cordova. Dead body. Possible homicide. The Lux Hotel, room 219, corner of South Grand and Cordova. 
Dead. What is it, Friday? Lux Hotel, possible homicide. Busy night. Yeah. You coming, Ed? Right. Let's go. Six minutes later, Ed Backstrand, Ben, and I pulled up in front of the Lux Hotel. The manager met us at the door and led the way up a narrow stairway to the second floor. The room number was 219. We were prepared for the worst. We got it. You're right, Romero. The guy must be a maniac. 2 hotels, two murders. The same M.O. Three of us made a brief inspection of the room at the Lux Hotel. We took a few notes on the appearance of the girl's body and a brief description. Apparently, she'd been strangled to death first, and then her body brutally mangled. Ben and I went back down to the lobby, and the manager of Mr. Ford showed us the house book. The girl was registered together with a man, Mr. and Mrs. Philip Grant. We took the hotel register to have it checked for fingerprints and to photostat the handwriting. Ben notified the crime lab. Then we went back to the room and questioned the manager. Mr. and Mrs. Philip Grant, that's all I know. I never saw either one of them before tonight. When did they check in, Mr. Ford? About three hours ago. That's right, about nine. Maybe a little before. Did they register together? Yeah, a little before nine. They came in together. Did you let them in the room? Yes, sir, like I always do. It's a small place here, maybe not first class, but I treat people right. What did the man look like? Do you remember? I think so. Kind of tall. Young, maybe 30 or so. Husky fellow. Had a mustache. How tall would you say, Mr. Ford? Oh, about your height, Wade. Must have been at least 180. Seemed like a nice fella. Would you know him if you saw him again? I think so. People sure don't act like they look. You think it was him? Can you think of anybody else? Well, no. I never saw him before tonight, either one of them. I don't know anything about it. Did you notice anything in particular about them when they came in? Well, he didn't show it, but it looked like she'd been drinking a little. Giggling, you know. And you didn't see this man Grant leave the hotel? No, I didn't. I must have been checking the account books back of the desk. Guess he got by me. Is there a back entrance to the hotel, Mr. Ford? No, he had to come out this way, all right. How about the fire escape? I never thought of that. Say, I bet you cops think I'm trying to hide something. How did you happen to find the body? I don't know anything about it, honest. I've been running the hotel for ten years now. Everybody knows me around here. You can ask at the bank. All right, Mr. Ford. Now, would you mind telling us how you happened to find the body? I don't want a lot of lousy newspaper publicity. Give the place a bad name. Can you blame me? The newspapers won't get your name from us. All we want to know is how you happened to find the body. Well, I told you. It's a small place here, but I like to treat people right. A couple hours after they checked in, I remembered I forgot to fill the ice water pitcher in the room. So I got some and took it up. The door was opened a little ways. It's got a bad catch on it. And the lights were on. I peeked in, and there she was. She was... Well, the guy must have been crazy. Do you remember what time it was when you found her? Well, just before I called the cops. About half past eleven, I guess. All right, Ford, that's all for now. When the other officers get here, show them up, William. Yes, sir, I sure will. Romero? Yes, Giver? Get on the phone downstairs and call the Metropolitan Division. Have them send us every available man from the reserve unit. We're going to patrol the area for the rest of the night. Right, Chief. Least we can do is make it hard for him. 
<laughs> Two murders in seven hours. Yeah. Both of them in a three-block radius. Yeah, same pattern. It's got to be the same guy. All right, we got a description. What do you think? Well, when the reserve unit shows up, have them cover this whole section of town. Pick up everybody who even comes close to that guy's description. All right, Ed. It's got to go fast. We can't lose a minute. One hour either way, it, it might mean another body. Like this one. Nine minutes later, at four minutes past midnight, the men from the crime lab showed up. It started to drizzle. They went over the room in detail. They dusted everything in the room for fingerprints, the walls, the doors, the fixtures in the bathroom, the lamps, chairs, everything. They took samples of the girl's blood and her lipstick. Small pieces of flesh and human hair were found under the girl's fingernails. The nails were scraped carefully and the contents put in an envelope, marked and sealed. Ed Backstrand ordered pictures taken of the room and the girl's body from different angles. Every object in the room that could have any possible tie-in with a murder was photographed. It was raining. The rear of the hotel where the fire escape was overlooked a vacant lot. Ben had a hunch. While the lab men were at work, we left the hotel and circled around into the lot for a look at the ground directly underneath the fire escape ladder. It was raining hard now. Must be an easier way to make a living. Mud's almost up to my knee. Mine too. Watch your step. You see any prints? No. Wait till my wife sees these new shoes. Put it on your expense account. Oh, real funny. Ben, get that light over here. Look. Yeah. Good set of prints. Lucky that rain didn't start turning to wash them out by now. Yeah. Hand me that cover from the trash can over there. I'll cover them. Wait a minute. What? Here, on the edge of the fire escape ladder. Small hunk of cloth. Man suit? Well, looks like it. Might have caught himself in that sharp corner. I got it. All right, come on. Let's get back. Yeah. Out of this mud bath. Yo. Huh? Let me have a light. You catch anything? Hunk of wrapping paper in that trash can. Stains on it. Open it up. Look. Yeah. A butcher knife. We went back to the Lux Hotel, room 219. The lab men were tearing the room apart. It was ten minutes to one. We gave the blood-stained knife and the piece of cloth we found on the fire escape to Lieutenant Lee Jones, head of the crime lab. We told him about the footprints just below the fire escape ladder. The knife will help us sew the cloth. I don't know about the footprints. You say you covered them? That's right, Lee. They still look in pretty good shape. Maybe we can do something if the rain hasn't broken them down too bad. Bracken. Yeah, Lieutenant? You and Sloan get downstairs and take a look at those prints. They're good enough. Get a torch, dry them out, and make a cast, right? Okay, Lieutenant. Come on, Sloan. That's about all I can do for you now, Ed. I think we got everything there is to get. All right, Jones. I'll follow you back to the lab in a couple of minutes. Okay, Ed. Good luck, fellas. Thanks, Lee. We're going to need it. All right, Friday, Romero, it's your baby for the rest of the night. Did he get anything? A few prints, a woman's purse under the bed. Don't know if it's hers or not. No identification. You going to be at the crime lab, Ed? All night. As soon as we find anything, I'll let you know. Yeah? A gang of cops just came in the lobby. They asked for you. Must be the reserve men from Metropolitan. Tell them we'll be right down, Ford. Okay. You want us to handle it, Ed? That's right. Do just as I told you. Spread them out over the whole area. Cover the streets, the alleys, the flop houses, restaurants, bars, everything. You got a description to go on. Find the man that fits it. Right, Skipper. Don't forget, the guy's a killer twice over. I don't think he'd hesitate on you. Be careful. 
We went down to the lobby and Ed Backstrand gave the reserve men their orders. Then Backstrand left and Ben and I took over. We picked up another half dozen men in addition to the men in the reserve unit. They were deployed over an area of a dozen square blocks. It was one of the toughest sections of the city. With a general description of the suspect, some of them were to travel on foot, some in cruiser cars. A few minutes before 1 a.m., there was a steady downpour. Visibility was bad. At three minutes past one, the manhunt was on. For the first 30 minutes, Ben and I cruised the general area between East 3rd and College Streets and Alameda and Figueroa. No sign. The rain kept on. We sat and listened to the calls come in. 12A, call your station. 12A, KMA still around somewhere inside these 12 blocks i'd bet on it five all right you're on want to check out a couple of these bars along here getting on the closing time it's a good idea pull over huh all right let's check them for the next couple of blocks huh right For the next six blocks until closing time, Ben and I checked every bar and every informant we met along the way. The questions got to be automatic. Have you seen a man answering this description? Tall, dark, about 5 feet 11, 180 pounds, well-built, mustache, about 30 years old. The answers got to be automatic, too. Sorry, officer, I haven't seen him. No, can't remember him. Try the place down the street. We kept on checking the bars until they closed for the night. Then we started on the all-night restaurants and coffee counters. We did plenty of legwork for the next hour. Not a trace. About 2.30, the rain let up a little, and then it started in heavy all over again. That finishes that block. Yeah, I better get the radio on. Yeah. Beautiful weather. By the bucketful. You want to smoke? Hmm, thank you. Control 4 to Unit 80K, your location, please. Yeah, yeah. 80K, your location, KMA 367. That's us, Joe. You want to take it? Yeah, I got it. 80K to Control 4. 80K to Control 4. Our location, corner of Alameda and Commercial, KMA 367. 80K, stand by. Something doing. Maybe. No, hold on a minute. Control 4 to 80K. Go to the crime lab, code 2. 80K to Control 4, KMA 367. Crime lab. Maybe those prints paid off. Well, I hope so. Let's go. Huh? That killer sure picked fine weather to work in. Feels like I've just been swimming in these clothes. Yeah. I hope those guys in the crime lab have the heater on. A hot bath and a warm bed lead me on. Attention, all units. Hold on. Let's get the radio. Attention, all units. Place, a woman screaming. At 420 St. John's Place, a woman... All right, double around, Ben. Hit the siren. I'll get the light. Right, hold on. 
market, is that right? Yeah, watch out for those car tracks are wet. Hold on again. The alley up ahead to your right, huh? All right, pull up, Ben. The street light over there. There you are. All right, come on. Let's go. All right, what happened? Let's have it. This girl, Rita, she was coming home up the street. A man, he tried to grab her. He slashed her coat. Look at her. I saw him as he ran under the streetlight. Where'd he go? Down that way, down the alley, over that fence there. A big man. Davis, Davis, you there? Yeah, Joe. All right, Ben, go with Davis. Circle behind the alley. See what you can find. I'll call in. All right, come on, Ben. Yeah. Oh, look at her face. What's wrong with her? Severe state of shock, it looks like. Get her in the house, huh? I'll call an ambulance. 80K to control four. 80K to control four. Control four, go ahead. Direct all units in the vicinity to converge on area around St. John's Place from Jackson to Banning Street. A woman attacked by a large man with a knife. Suspect left seen on foot. Possibly still in area. Request ambulance. KMA 367. 80K, Roger, stand by. Attention, all units. Attention, all units. Converge on area around St. John's Place, Jackson to Banning Street. ADK reports woman attacked by large man with knife. Suspect left seen on foot. In three minutes, the area around St. John's Place was surrounded. For the next hour, the men combed the neighborhood back and forth. Every building, every storehouse in the two square blocks was searched from basement to attic. No trace. The girl, Rita, was hysterical. She could give us only a bare description of her attacker. At 3.45 a.m., a detail was assigned to patrol the area, and the rest of the cars and men were deployed again in the general area from Figueroa to Alameda Street and East 3rd to College Street. The manhunt went on. So did the rain. At 3.54, Ben and I checked in at the old city jail building, second floor, the crime lab. Chief Ed Backstrand and Lee Jones were waiting for us. Heard about the call. How'd he get away? I'm not sure it was him, Skipper. How do you mean? Well, the girl wasn't hurt bad for one thing. No attempted strangling. For another thing, the guy stole her purse. That doesn't sound like the man we're after. Did you get a description from the girl? Didn't jibe too well what she gave us. She's pretty hysterical. And you raked the neighborhood good? Every corner. Not a sign. You find anything? Yeah. Jones? Yeah, Ed. Fill them in, will you? Not one print on that knife you found, boys. Blood, but not a print. Your killer's crazy like a fox. And how about the scrapings from the girl's fingernails, Lee? Didn't help too much. Rarely do. Not enough to go on. Gotta have a fair-sized bit of flesh to run it for papal ridges. All we found under the girl's fingernails are small bits of skin. Yeah. She probably scratched the guy up some. Might have drawn blood. We had more luck with the footprints. You get an impression? Right out the ground with torches and cast them. About size 10B. That's fine, Lee. But how about the prints? Only good one was a thumb. Real good. Got it off the wall near the light switch in the bathroom. You classified yet? Yep. Found it in our single fingerprint file. The print belongs to a man by the name of Long. Robert Long. You got a record, Ed? Yeah. Misdemeanor. Two arrests for drunkenness last October. Petty theft in December. The mama sheet shows a dishonorable discharge from the United States Coast Guard in 1946. Age 29... 192 pounds, 5 feet 10 inches, dark hair, dark eyes. That's close enough. We got even closer, Joe. Long works as a counterman at the Cottage Cafe down on South Flower. Started there last week on the early morning shift, but he didn't show up for work last night. Good. Where'd you get the tip? The knife you boys found. It didn't have any prints, but it had a brand on it. We ran it down. It was taken from the Cottage Cafe. Mm-hmm. Any address on this Robert Long, Ed? Yeah, got it from his boss. Rooming house on East 1st. Landlady says he hasn't been home in two nights. 
Yeah, now we wait. Rooming house is staked out, and so is the cottage cafe, just in case Long decides to show up for work this morning. What time you got, Romero? Mm, six minutes past four. All right. We've got every indication that Robert Long's the man we're after. His description, fingerprints, the knife, the footprint, his size. Maybe we're wrong. I don't think so. How about a motive, Ed? I think Robert Long likes to kill. He's thirsty for it. None of the victims were criminally attacked. They were strangled. Bodies mutilated. How about robbery? No. Two of the women he killed had money in their purses. He didn't touch it. Well, what's next, Skipper? Back on the street? Figueroa to Alameda. He's third to College Street. Keep an head around that area and work it back and forth until we're positive he's not inside. I think he is. At ten minutes past 4 a.m., Ed Backstrand, Ben, and I left the crime lab and drove to the surrounded area. It was still raining. We passed several patrolmen from the reserve unit making the rounds. They didn't look any more comfortable than we felt. At Broadway and Alpine Street, Ben and I got out and started patrolling on foot again. Backstrand followed in the car to maintain a radio check. We must have covered two dozen blocks and a half a dozen coffee counters before we got to the Criterion Restaurant and Donut Shop, a few blocks up the street from the Cottage Cafe. Hey, Skipper. You want to take a minute for some hot coffee? I'll keep an ear on the radio. You two go ahead. You look drenched. Yeah, we are. Will we bring you some back in a paper carton? Fine, thanks. Cream. No sugar. All right, Ed. Come on, Ben. Place is empty. Yeah. Yes, sir, gentlemen. What'll it be? Hot coffee? Yeah, there's two of us here. Can you fix up one to go? Sure thing. Say, on that one to go, cream, no sugar. Right. Say, you fellas cops? Yeah, why? No offense, just wondering. Here you are. Thank you. Cop in uniform was around a couple hours ago. Wanted to know if I'd seen some guy he was looking for. Tall, about 190 pounds, mustache, about 30 years old. Yeah, that's the description he gave me. He, he was looking for the guy. So are we. Say, that's good. That other cop came in right at my busiest time, a little after two when the bars closed. You know, it gets pretty rushed, and I didn't have much time to think, so I just said no. Then after the cop left, I remembered. You saw a man answering that description tonight? Yeah. I would have told the cop, but I was rushed. You know how it is. No time to think, and then I remembered. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure, all right. Whoever he is, he's a lady killer. What do you mean? No offense. Uh, it was a sharp-looking dame down the end of the counter, and this guy breezes in and picks her up. Talks to her about 20 minutes, buys her a cup of coffee, and they walk out together. You remember what she looked like? Oh, nice-looking dame. Not beautiful, you know, more on the on the cute side. Ben, you got that morgue shot? Oh, yeah. Here, here it is. Thanks. Here's a picture. This the girl? Let's see. Yeah, that's her. Who is she? I don't know, mister. Down at the morgue, they call her Jane Doe, number seven. Just by accident, we'd come across a concrete lead on the killer's method of operation. The picture we showed the man in the donut shop was a shot of the strangler's first victim the night before. Evidently, the killer would enter a bar, coffee shop, or restaurant, strike up a conversation with a woman, make friends with her, either buy her drinks or invite her to a bar in the neighborhood, and then the rest of the puzzle was still unsolved. We went back to the cottage cafe and checked with the men on stakeout. Not a sign of them, Chief. How are you men covering the place? 
Baxter up in front in the booth across from the cash register. Lyman's back with the dishwashers. I'm at the counter. When's Long due to report for work, Dave? At five. About mm, 20 minutes to go. You're lucky you're inside. It's wet out there. You're looking. All right, Davis. We'll be around about five. Right, Chief. Let's get back in the car. Where to, Skipper? Cruise the next two blocks, but don't go too far. If Long shows up for work this morning, we want to be around. The next ten minutes dragged by. The rain kept on. Backstrand chewed nervously on a cigar. At South Flower and First Street, the sewers were clogged with street refuse. The rain backed up and filled the intersection. A group of aircraft workers huddled together in a doorway on one corner, waiting for the bus. It was cold and damp. I opened one of the back windows in the car to get some fresh air in. Off in the distance and close by, we could hear the sounds of a big city waking up slow to a rainy January morning. It was eight minutes to five. Attention all units. Attention all units. At 780 East Main, a restaurant. Man answering description of murder suspect. All right, Romero, step At on it. Seven, right, eight, about ten blocks away, Ed. Who's going to cover the men at the cottage cafe? If this is a blind lead, it won't take us long to find out. They can handle it alone if they have to. Well, hang on. Look out. We're skidding. That was a close one, Ben. Yeah. If this is the guy, I owe you five bucks, right? Yeah. Attention all units. Additional information on your call to 780 East Main. Officers in pursuit of suspect... Suspect is on foot. Step on it, Romero. Two more blocks, Skipper. Watch it, Ben. Next one to the left. Got it. That's the joint up ahead there. All right, watch your step and don't take chances. Don't play with him. Right. Here we go. He went out the back. Ran down that alley. Come on, Ben. Behind you. You men, hustler. Circle around the block and choke off the alley. Fast. Emerson. Boom. Go with him. Right. All right, over the fence, Ben. Ben, look out, look out. You all right? It's not that good. Come on, Joe. All right. There he goes. Between the buildings. Stop or I'll shoot. The next house. He ducked into the basement. All right, cover me. All right. Come on, he broke through the garage doors. There's Davis. Dave, Dave, he slipped through. Get down to the next corner and ring the block. Yeah. Ben, Ben, did you follow him? Yeah, right on his tail, that warehouse, a couple of lots over. He went through the back. There it is, Joe. All right, don't go in blind, watch out. All right, Joe, you haven't got a chance. Come out with your hands up. He's not stopping, Joe. All right, let's fan out. All right, Ben, cover me, I'm going for the door. All right, Ben, come on, you're clear. You spot him? Let's get him. Close. He's in a good spot. Let's move. He's up in the loft. Come on, let's head for the stairs. Will you? Easy. You spot him, Ben? No. Not a sign. Ben, look out that packing tail. Kind of close, huh, Joe? Yeah. 
Let's get that punk now. Look out, Joe. There's another one. All right, you. We got the warehouse surrounded. Come on down. All right, then we'll blast you out. Joe, he's dropping down the ladder. He's going for the front door. They're waiting for you with Tommy guns out there. They'll cut you down. Stop. Joe, he's got the door open. He's making a break for it. He's crazy. He's trying to shoot his way out. Well, he asked for it. Yeah. Let's take a look. Messed up. Like his girlfriends. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't like women. Maybe. Hi, Ed. You all right? Tired. This is him, huh? Even the scratches that girl made on his face. <laughs> Description match? Five feet ten, 192 pounds, dark hair, dark eyes, age 29. Robert Long. Killer. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. You have just heard the tenth in a new series of authentic cases transcribed from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Detective Louis A. Abbott of the Chicago Police Department, who on the afternoon of March 3rd, 1947, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. If you enjoyed tonight's production of Dragnet, you'll probably want to listen this Saturday evening to a pair of adventure shows featuring two well-known Hollywood personalities. You'll enjoy Brian Donlevy, star of Dangerous Assignment. Also on Saturday's schedule is Richard Diamond, private detective, as played by the screen's romantic tough guy, Dick Powell. Listen to both of these exciting programs this Saturday over most of these NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. I love fucking Dragnet. That's amazing. <laughs> I love... You could see why uh, the show like Law & Order shows up later, right? <laughs> My man comes in firing. <laughs> and, well, yep, that's the fucking guy. Yep, look, there he is. I did it. <laughs> Yay! Oh, God. Anyway, um, here's another... Oh, yeah, uh, muniradio.fm. Um... Let's see, what else we got here? We're going to play a little music. Oh, we're doing good. Thank you. 
and we're back. All right, MutinyRadio.fm. We got Eric in the studio, too. What's going on, man? All right, we're going to do this thing here. This is dedicated to my mom because she's the best. And when I was a kid, she always used to tell me about this really great fucking show that she used to listen to when she was young called Inner Sanctum. And uh, we're going to go do that right now. So uh, this is called Death Has Claws. Oops. Inner Sanctum Mystery. Starring Santa Satria. Brought to you by the makers of Carter's Little Liverpool. The best friends to your sunny disposition. Well, maybe not. The song kind of stinks on that one. Let's see here. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So I was looking at TV, and I was talking about mechanical TVs, which came out. Actually, the first TV, like the thing that you would consider a television, like scanned a picture with mechanical means, that was done in 1843 by a guy named Alexander Bain. All right? And then... um, that was the basis of mechanical TV. Basically, the idea was he, he um, I just said it, he scanned a fucking image <laughs> and uh, threw it like on spinning disc. And the spinning disc is what ended up projecting the television image. And uh, it goes from him to like Paul Nipkow to Francis Frank, uh, Charles Francis Jenkins. By the way, you know, like the BBC has been on the air since like 1930 television and uh because uh we didn't start getting tvs and selling tvs over here till about 1939 and uh it's just kind of interesting stuff anyway uh one more second let's pump out the music Experimental program on WRVR, and we'd like to hear your comments. Please drop us a note to X minus one WRVR, New York, New York, one double o two seven. And now tonight's adventure on X minus one. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two. X minus one. Fire.
From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Renaissance Radio Network in cooperation with Galaxy and Worlds of If Science Fiction Magazines presents... X minus one... As a broadcaster, I've seen fads come and go, but few have stayed with us. One of those few is the Beatles. The Beatles created a whole new world of music, fashion, and ideas, and though they're no longer together, radio stations around the world still play their music. Now RRP has gathered 60 of their finest songs onto four LP records, cassettes, and eight-track tapes for only $13.98. You get such Beatle greats as I Want to Hold Your Hand, Hard Day's Night, Bangladesh, Hey Jude, Michelle, No, The Ballad of John and Yoko, Sgt. Pepper, and I love her. Yellow Submarine and 50 other great hits. You get your choice of stereo records, 8-tracks or cassettes for only $13.98. This is an album that you will want to keep and it will surely grow more and more valuable in years to come. Here's your announcer to tell you how to order. Send $13.98 to Beatles, Box 377, Seymour, Connecticut. That's Beatles, Box 377, Seymour, Connecticut. Specify cartridges, cassettes or records. Money back guarantee by Electro Sound Dupe Incorporated. Chancellor by Robert Silverberg, starring Leon Janney and Evie Juster. And like many other modern families, the four of us could all stand to shed quite a few pounds. So when I saw in Miracle Mile Robot Shop a 40% discount on the 2061 robot model with adjustable caloric intake monitors... I figured it merited an inquiry. I thought first of my bank balance, then of Ethel's figure. Besides, our old robo-cook makes a poor showing when I bring other company executives home for dinner. On my way home from work, I stopped in. Uh, can I help you, sir? Yes. Ah, I see you are admiring our 2061. Mm. Yes, it's a real beauty. How much? Only 2995, sir. Oh. That includes free service contract for the first five years, only 200 credits down, and up to 40 months to pay. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> well, good. Uh, you care to trade in your present uh, robo-cook, sir? I have a 43 Madison. 43 Madison, yes. yes. Well... Well, uh, I guess we could allow 50 credits on a 43. Oh. Well, 75, maybe, if the recipe bank is still in good condition. Excellent condition. Well, I can deliver the new model by this evening, if you'll just type out your address. Uh, that's in the uh, Westro subdivision. Well, a very fashionable suburb. Yes. Uh, do you have one of those totally detached self Powered houses? Yes, indeed. It affords us infinite privacy. Ah, yes. I'll get her. Who is it, Myra? It's a, a Mr. Robinson, Daddy, of, of Robinson Robots. And he's got a 
bulky package to deliver. It's a, a surprise, my dear. What in the world is... Myra, uh, show him in, please. Oh, all right. There we are. Got him all wrapped. All seven feet of it, Mr. Carmichael. Lots of delicate circuitry in that job. You ought to be very proud of him. Uh, Joey, help Mr. Robinson unpack the new <laughs> robo No, 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 no. That's okay. I can manage it. <laughs> and it's not a robo-cook, by the way. <laughs> it's called a robo-servitor. Sam, it must be a fortune. It's very reasonable, Ethel. Now, don't worry so much. There, there, this is the instruction manual. Now, don't fret about the thickness of the booklet. It's just part of the trimmings. This robot's no trouble to handle. Now, here's the recipe bank. Biggest and best ever designed. And uh, what about the uh, special features? The reducing monitors, you mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're right over here, see? Hmm? You just program in the names of the members of the family and their present and desired weights. And the robo-servitor takes care of the rest. Computes caloric intake, adjusts menus, and everything else. I told you I was going to do something about our weight, Ethel. <laughs> no more dieting. The robot does all the work. Oh, I don't think there'll be any trouble. But if there is, just give me a buzz. Right. I felt a momentary twinge of nostalgia when Robinson took our obsolete robo-cook. After all, she, uh, I mean, it, was with us 16 years. And that night, the four of us spent the evening discovering things about our new robot. Joey prided himself on his knowledge of practical robotics. So I let him integrate our weights and desires. You wish this schedule to take effect immediately? Oh, well, uh, uh, tomorrow morning at breakfast. We might as well start right away. Good morning, one and all. Oh, good morning. Your toast and coffee, sir. Well, I uh, like cream and sugar in my coffee. You must learn to drink your coffee without such things if you wish to lose weight. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Well, this regimen is more Spartan than I anticipated. Uh, Joey, why don't you pour that glass of milk into the cereal? Won't it taste better that way? Sure it will, but Bismarck says I won't get another glass if I do, so I'm eating this way. Bismarck? It's the name of a famous 19th century German dictator. They called him the Iron Chancellor. Pretty good name for him, huh? No, no, it's silly. Well, it, it has a, a certain ring of truth, though. Here is your luncheon menu. You are the only member of this family group who will not be eating three meals a day under my personal supervision. Please adhere. And I did, even though I had to avoid my colleagues and eat at a robo-cafeteria so as not to be ribbed or questioned. Needless to say, I wasn't full. Dinner loomed in my mind. My hands shook. When I arrived home that night, I handed the robo-servitor my hat and cloak and, as always, reached out for my cocktail. Yes, sir. How may I assist you? Well, are we, uh, out of gin? No, sir. How <laughs> come no drink, then? Because, sir, a martini's caloric content is inordinately high. Uh, but did... gin is rated at a hundred calories per ounce. And uh, okay, is... okay, enough. 
It is almost dinner time, sir. Did you have a good day, sir? No, I'm hungry. The first days of diet are the most difficult. Excuse me now while I prepare the meal. Bismarck was beginning to fit him more and more. After dinner, if you can call it that, Bismarck was in the basement and gave us a chance to speak privately. Lord Sam, I, I don't object to losing weight, but we're being tyrannized in our own home. Mom's right. It, it doesn't seem right for that thing to feed us whatever it pleases. I'm not happy about it either, but we have to give it a try. We can always make readjustments in the programming if it turns out to be necessary. I had three meals in the house and I'm starved. Me too. Bismarck's downstairs. I'm going to get a slice of lemon pie while the coast is clear. No. No. There is no sense in my spending 3,000 credits on a dietary robot if you're going to cheat, Joey. I forbid you to have any pie. But, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm a growing boy. Now, don't give me that oh, line. Sam, we can't starve Joey. If he wants pie, let him have it. Oh, you're carrying this reducing fetish too far. Well, all right. I guess a bit of pie won't wreck the plan. In fact, I suppose I'll have some myself. Joey, begging your pardon. It would be most unfortunate if you were to have pie now, Mr. Carmichael. My calculations are very precise. <laughs> Let's uh, forget the lemon pie, Joey. Bismarck, yes, Bismarck, had in the next few days usurped Ethel's job of marketing. So now the covers were stocked with measure amounts of wheat germ, irrigated salmon, and other unfamiliar foods. The kids were brooding, so... Yes, Mr. Carmichael? Uh, Bismarck, go down to the basement until I summon you. I must advise you, sir, that I will detect indulgence in any forbidden foods during my absence and adjust for it in the next meal. Joey, get the instruction manual. What are you going to do, Sam? I'm going to take a can opener to that creature and adjust his programming. Oh. Uh, Joey, have you found the instructions on how to reprogram? Uh, page 167. I'll, I'll get the toolkit, Dad. Right. Right. I'll buzz Bismarck. Uh, uh, Bismarck, I, um... I'm afraid it's necessary for us to uh, change your program... We've overestimated our capacity for losing weight. I beg you to reconsider, sir. Uh, Extra weight is harmful to every vital organ in the body. I plead with you to maintain my schedule unaltered. I'd rather cut my throat. Uh, Joey, inactivate him and do your stuff. Lever F2 with the yellow indicator to be advanced one notch. Hmm, now... Now twist dial B9 to the left, thereby opening the taping compartment and... Oops. We will be back with the second half of The Iron Chancellor after this message of importance. 
Toy Fox. As a broadcaster, I've seen fads come and go, but few have stayed with us. One of those few is the Beatles. The Beatles created a whole new world of music, fashion, and ideas, and though they're no longer together, radio stations around the world still play their music. Now RRP has gathered 60 of their finest songs onto four LP records, cassettes, and eight-track tapes for only $13.98. You get such Beatle greats as I Want to Hold Your Hand, Hard Day's Night, Bangladesh, Hey Jude, Michelle, Help, The Ballad of John and Yoko, Sergeant Pepper, and I Love Her, Yellow Submarine, and 50 other great hits. You get your choice of stereo records, eight tracks, or cassettes for only $13.98. This is an album that you'll want to keep, and it will surely grow more and more valuable in years to come. Here's your announcer to tell you how to order. Send $13.98 to Beatles, Box 377, Seymour, Connecticut. That's Beatles, Box 377, Seymour, Connecticut. Specify cartridges, cassettes, or records. Money back guaranteed by Electro Sound Dupe Incorporated. And now we return to X-1 and the Iron Chancellor by Robert Silverberg. something in there. We'd better call Mr. Robinson, Sam. A short-circuited robot is likely to explode, or or worse. We should have called Robinson in the first place. It's my fault for letting Joey tinker with an expensive and delicate mechanism like that. Uh, Myra, get me the card Mr. Robinson left. Gee, Dad, this is the first time I've ever had anything go wrong. Here, Daddy. Thank you, Myra. I hope we can reach him at this hour. If we can... I'll take that card. There will be no further meddling with my program tape. Sam, what are we going to... Now, Bismarck, I order you to shut yourself off at once. My apologies, sir. I cannot serve you if I am shut off. I don't want you to serve me. You're out of order. I want you to remain still until I can phone the repairman and get him to service you. Oh... Oh, you destroyed Robinson's card. You are violating the first law. According to the first law, further alterations of my circuits would be detrimental to the Carmichael family. I cannot permit you to summon the repairman. Don't get him angry, Dad. I'll call the police. I'll be back. You will remain within this house. I have now reversed the polarity of the house privacy field. Since you are obviously not to be trusted to keep the diet I prescribe, I cannot allow you to leave the premises. You will remain within and continue to obey my beneficial advice. Breakfast will be served at the usual time. Good night. I awoke late, well past nine... Bismarck had neatly canceled out the impulse from the house that woke me at seven each morning. After black coffee and toast, I tried the front door until I was in a sweat. I beg your pardon, sir. The door will not open. I explained last night. The force field is around the entire detached dwelling. Now, in theory, the field could be penetrated from the outside, but nobody comes calling without an invitation in Westro. It is not one of those neighborly subdivisions where everyone knows everyone. That was why we picked it. Dad, 
the phone connection severed. Damn him. He can't hold us prisoners here. Oh, Bismarck's short circuit has resulted in exaggerating his sense of functioning. He's determined to make us lose weight, even if it kills us. He's got the kitchen wall up with with some kind of electronic base force web. He must have built it during the night. I, tr- I tried to sneak in and scrounge some food and got a flat nose. Oh, we'll be skeletons any day. Hey, it isn't that bad, Mom. Yes, it is, Ted. I've lost five pounds in four days. Quiet. Bismarck's coming. Lunch will be served in eight minutes. Probably down at the office. They're wondering where I am. Oh, they won't care. An executive isn't required to account for every day he takes off, you know. I haven't missed a day's work in years. I know. Oh, but they'll worry after three or four days, won't they? Maybe they'll try to phone or, or even send a rescue mission. There will be no danger of that. While you slept this morning, I notified your place of employment that you were resigning. Well, well, you're lying. The phone is cut off. I communicated with them via microwave generator. If only we had an oil man the way we used to. He'd know how to shut the field off. But no. We've got a shiny, chromium-plated cryostat dishing out liquid helium. A neat, self-contained island in the middle of civilization with... Nobody bothering us. Ethel, please. <laughs> Luncheon is served. You've got to do something about this, Sam. I'll have to, eh? And just what am I supposed to do? Daddy, don't get angry. Oh, don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do. Maybe you could distract him and I could open him up again. No, and... no. That thing's seven feet tall and weighs 3,000 pounds. I'm not going to wrestle with him. face in the mirror was mine. Six days of starvation. I stepped on the scale. Twelve pounds off in less than two weeks. Then it came to me in a flash. Ethel, Myra, Joey, come here. Where's that robot? In the kitchen. Bismarck? Bismarck, come out here. How may I serve you, sir? Damn you, scan me with your super power receptors and tell me how much I weigh. 179 pounds, 11 ounces, Mr. Carmichael. Yes, yes. And the original program I taped into you was supposed to reduce me from 192 to 180. So I'm finished with you as long as I don't gain weight. And so are all of us, I'll bet. Ethel, Myra, Joey, upstairs and then weigh yourself. Sir, I find no record within me of any limitations on your reduction of weight. What? I have checked my tapes fully. I have a record of an order causing weight reduction. But the tape does not specify a termination of the program. But, but, but I thought... I, I'm sure we did. I... I know. We instructed probably that part of his tape was erased when he short-circuited. Oh. 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 Dear, what's what's so funny? So funny. The fact that I'm I'm thin, trim, fit as a fiddle. We're all magazine ad beauties, the enviable few who in our age of technology, when normal exercise is extinct, we'll all shrivel up. Bismarck will starve us. Sam, don't worry, Dad. We're going to get out of this. 
Oh, we won't. We'll never get out. We're going to be reduced ad infinitum. Listen to that. I have an idea that I think will work. There's an article on multiphase generators in last month's popular electromagnetics upstairs in my room. Well, go on. Tell me more. Did, didn't you hear that, Dad? Hear what? The front door. I, I thought I heard it open just now. Oh, we're all cracking up. I hope I'm huh? not intruding, Mr. Carmichael. Uh, Robinson. <laughs> yes. How did you get in? Well, through the front door. Well, I could see a light on inside, but nobody answered the doorbell when I rang, so I just stepped right in. <laughs> uh, your doorbell's out of order. I thought I'd tell you. I uh, No, it's rude. No, no, don't but, apologize. We're delighted to see you. <laughs> well, I was in the neighborhood, you see, and I figured I'd drop in and see how things were working out with your new robot. Well, as a matter of fact, your robot has held us prisoner here for six days and is gradually starving us to death. Held you prisoner? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I... I, uh, I thought you all looked a bit peaked, but... Uh, oh, dear. Now there'll be an investigation and all kinds of trouble. I think I short-circuited him. I see. Well, uh, well, at least I can end your imprisonment. Now, let me see. I have a force field damper in my toolbox. There. There you are. Yes, that's a great little gadget that neutralizes the blockade. Quick, here he comes. There. That should immobilize him. Oh. Now, let's have a look in that chassis. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh. Oh, free. Free at last. Am I going to eat? I'll eat myself right into oblivion. Warm buttered rolls, martinis, steak. You know, this really is fascinating. The obedience filters are completely shorted out, and the purpose nodes are somehow soldered together by the momentary high voltage arc. You know, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, neither have we. Really, though, this is an utterly new breakthrough in robotic science. You see, if we can reproduce this effect, it means we can build self-willed robots. Think of what that means to science. We already know. Oh, I'd love to watch what happens when the power source is operating. Uh, For instance, is that feedback loop really negative or... No, 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 no. My circuit canceller is destroyed. Bismarck is reactivated. This attempt at interfering with the well-being of the Carmichael family was ill-advised. He moved so fast. He did indeed. Luckily, we have an unoccupied guest bedroom for you, Mr. Robinson. Welcome to the home of the Iron Chancellor. As a broadcaster, I've seen fads come and go, but few have stayed with us. One of those few is the Beatles. The Beatles created a whole new world of music, fashion, and ideas, and though they're no longer together, radio stations around the world still play their music. Now RRP has gathered 60 of their oh, finest Shut up. Songs We've already heard that fucking ad. Anyway, Radio Mutiny, mutinyradio.fm, and this is G Money. Uh, sitting here thinking about something really funny. Uh, Rayon. <laughs> I was listening to this fucking um, MeUndies ad, right? Because I was like, they always talk about Modal. And for some reason, all the people who sell the shit don't know what Modal is. So I was like, well, why don't I go look it up? So I did. 
And Modal is rayon. It's a kind of rayon. <clears throat> and uh, to make rayon, you need to make carbon disulfide. Uh, that's a colorless, volatile liquid that's hazardous to people in that occupation. Uh, let's see, most common is cardiovascular disease, in particular strokes, also cramps, muscle weakness, pain, distal, that means situated from the center of the body or from the point of attachment, so distal sensory loss and neurophysiological impairment. 75% of the annual production are rayon and cellophane film. <clears throat> so that's how you use a lot of the carbon, di carbon, carbon, carbon disulfide. Let's see. Da, da, da. Oh, and the rest of it is used on uh, cellophane film and uh, extractive metallurgy and rubber chemistry, basically. Let's see. Textiles have been on a cellulose fiber kick. Cellulose fiber, in case you're not sure. That's tree stuff. That's like bark, woods, leaves, and other plant-based stuff, making it environmentally friendly, skin-friendly, and biodegradable. Rayon is purified cellulose. So, step one, you get cellulose. You add caustic soda. Three, it's pressed to squeeze out liquid. Then four, turn into white crumb. Meaning, they shred or crumble the flattened wood slash caustic soda mix. Then five, you age it. Saying that they, uh, they sit that white crumb in the air for a little while. Then six, xanthification. Here comes that carbon disulfate. Uh, mix that with that white crumb at about 20 to 30 degrees Celsius, turning that into yellow crumb. Now that chemical makeup's changed, and then eight, dissolve in more, <laughs> dissolve yellow crumb in more caustic stuff to form viscose that you let nine ripen. By setting the viscose, or they call it ripening, by setting the viscose aside like bread, changing the chemical compounds again, then 10, filtering, remaining any undissolved particles so you can 11, degas your filtered viscose by pressing it again, then 12, extruding, you push it through a spinneret shaped like a shower head with a bunch of tiny holes, it lands on a 13 sulfuric acid bath, resulting in the formulation of rayon filaments that are 14 drawing stretching the rayon to straighten the fibers then it's 15 washing time to remove any residual chemicals that could lead to 16 cutting the 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 filament fibers are what you're after cut your stable fibers but we want modal modal so we want hwm that's high wet modulus rayon a version of viscose that has a greater strength than when wet usually mercurized you dip your viscose in sodium hydroxide pass it over an open flame for luster like cotton thread because they're dimensionally stable or polynosic fibers so they don't shrink or get pulled out of shape when wet like most rayons they're also wear resistant strong while staying soft and silky aka modal there you go so that's your modal so when they go like me on knees me on knees you know <laughs> i don't know people get fucking strokes boop boop <laughs> Radio data from.
countdown for blastoff, X minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X minus 1, fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X... X, 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 X minus... Minus... minus one. One, 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 one. Tonight... Universe... We are just beginning to discover how boundless our universe really is. And yet as man reaches out to the stars, out toward infinity, ironically enough, he may be building himself a new kind of prison. What would it be like to live all your life in a world no larger, say, than a single gigantic rocket ship bound on an endless mercy? Look out! You all right? Yes. Just missed me. What was it? A mutant with a slingshot, I think. Must have dashed down that passageway. Want to go after it? No, we'd never catch it, Alan. Probably 12 decks above us by now. I didn't think they ever came down this far. Trolls usually get them before they reach this level. They get more daring each generation. This one looked like a female. Uh, Male or female, it might have killed us. I told you this trip was pure foolishness, climbing 24 <laughs> deck levels to hear a crazy old man rave. All right, Alan, we're almost there now. Let me see compartment X, 15, level 24. Uh, this is the place. This area smells as if it hadn't been visited by a sanitation crew for generations. Mm. This part of the ship is almost deserted. Yes? Is this the compartment of John the Witness? Who are you? My name is Hugh Hoyland. Cadet from Scientist Barracks. This is my friend Alan Mahoney. What do you want of John the Witness? Well, only to talk. Are you a believer in Jordan? Naturally. I have heard that there are those among the younger scientists who doubt the word of Jordan. To doubt is death. We're not heretics. Ah. Enter. I've brought you a gift of tobacco. Grown on the richest level. Oh, it smells good. I assure you, it's of the best. Wait here. I'll get him. What a rat's nest. What the devil do you think he can tell you? Alan, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Are you John the Witness? I am. Good evening to you. I'm Hugh Hoyland. This is my friend, Alan Mahoney. What brings a gentleman of the scientist class to my humble compartment? I've heard that you and your parents before you have been keepers of the legend of the ship. Since Jordan gave the word. I'm anxious to hear the word as Jordan spoke it. Why, 
Because our young scientists, well, among them, there have been some who talk against the word. There are regulations against such heresy. Still, some of them say the ship has no purpose. They say that we are here accidentally, that we have no more grace in Jordan's eyes than the most deformed mutant who dwells in the highest level of the ship. What shall I say to you? Well, I wish to hear the word from the mouth of one who knows, in order that I may become more convinced. Sit. You have a gift for the witness? The finest tobacco. Good. I will dim the lights. Now pay close attention, for these are the words as my father's father's father gave them to his son's son's son. This is how the ship came into being, how our people were created. In the beginning there was only Jordan thinking his lonely thoughts. Out of his thoughts came a vision. Out of the vision came a planning, and out of the planning came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted, and the ship was born. Mile after mile of good compartments, tank after tank for golden corn, ladder and passage, door and locker fit for the needs of the yet unborn. He looked on his work and found it pleasing, meet for a race that was yet to be. He thought of man, and man came into being. Then Jordan checked his thoughts and searched for a key. Man untamed would shame his maker. Man unruled would spoil the plan. So Jordan made the regulations and order came to the works of man. A crew he created to work at their stations, scientists to guide the plan. Over them all he created captain, made him judge of the race of man. Thus it was in the golden age. These are the true words? As my father's father taught them. But what of the strange beast-like people on the upper levels of the ship? Surely Jordan did not create them. Jordan is perfect. All below him lack perfection. You have heard of the legend of Huff? I have heard that he mutinied against Jordan. Darkness swallowed the ways of virtue. Sin prevailed upon the ship. And before wisdom prevailed and the bodies of Huff and his followers were fed into the converter... Some of the rebels escaped and lived to father the mutants. They are tainted with the sins of their fathers. Witness, one more question. Speak. What is the ship? The ship is a great sphere, 25 kilometers wide and 100 levels deep. I know that, but the upper levels... Regulations forbid us to venture into the upper levels, but it is said that beyond the levels of the mutants lies the forbidden place... Where Jordan's spirit prevails. So I've heard, yet something troubles me. Something which prompted my coming here. Yes, my son. What lies beyond the ship? What? What lies beyond the ship? This is heresy. Answer me. I will not permit such talk. The ship is complete. The ship is universal. The ship is everywhere. The, the ship is endless. Your mutterings is... are those of a frightened old man. No. They answer nothing. You, you question the word. I think you lie. Hear me. Mr. Hoyland, for what you have already said, I can have your body fed into the converter. Your soul launched on the endless trip. You threaten me. You, for Jordan's sake. Do you think I fear this dried fig of a man? You! Sir, my friend is impetuous. He, he does not understand. 
might be persuaded to forget a substantial gift. Why, you pig! You! Alan, come on. The sight of this so-called holy man offends me. No, you shall not leave. Don't try to frighten me with that gun, old man. Remain where you are, heretic. I warn you, put down that gun. No, 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 closer. Drop it. No, very well, then. Death to the heretic. Alan, get him. Alan. He's not breathing. Is he dead? I, I, I don't know. Come on, Hugh. We've got to get out of here. Right. Nowhere. We can't go back. They'd feed us into the converter before we could even... What's that? An alarm. That old woman must have turned it in. Come on, Alan. The patrol will be here in no time. Where can we go? Yes, where, where? The upper levels. No, the mutants. We'll have to take our chances. Come on, Alan. Let's go. Listen. That's the patrol. Come on, we've got to climb. There's a hatchway. Tom, the corridor. Right, quickly, oh, quickly. Oh, are we fire? Alan, Alan, up ladder. Up. Come on, Alan, come on. Hugh, Hugh, wait. Wait. How far are we from the outside wall? Uh, judging by the slope of the deck. About two miles. Ellen, let's try this passageway here. If you hadn't asked him that stupid question... Now, there's no use going over that. But why did you do it? I've been thinking about it for a long time. When he began to give me those stupid pat answers, well, I just saw red, I guess. Who are you to question the ways of Jordan? When you asked me to go with you to visit the witness, I... I thought you wanted spiritual help. I, I never I'm dreamed. I'm sorry, Alan. I'm sorry. I couldn't foresee this. Wait. Wait a minute. What? I, I saw something move. Where? Near that bulkhead. I don't see anything. Maybe my eyes are going bad. <laughs> Still, oh, listen! Hugh, behind us! Alan, look out! <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Uh, uh, that knife. Keep away from me, you. Don't kill him. Not yet. Who are you? You must forgive my friend Bobo. Like so many of my people, he's rather impetuous where members of the so-called super race are concerned. Who are you? What place is this? As you can guess, from my leg. I'm a mutant. Mutant? Where? Where is Alan? Your friend is dead. Dead? I was not able to restrain my people in time to save him. Why don't you destroy me and get it over with? We do not kill for pleasure, Mr. Hoyland. Only when necessary. You know my name? I read your identification tag. Who are you? Mutants can't read. My name is Gregory. Gregory? I'm a leader of my people. You see, although we are unfortunate in our heredity, Mr. Hoyland, many of us are quite intelligent. Why do you live like animals? We'd rather live like free animals than like regimented slaves, as you do. I've heard you practice cannibalism. Undoubtedly, you hear many things about us. You turn your head. Why? That... That monster. I've never seen a creature like him. Bobo is an unfortunate 
He was born without the power of speech. How can you tolerate such a monstrosity? We've learned to live with difference. If we began to destroy our imperfects as you do on the lower levels, there would soon be no one left. It violates the regulations. The word of Jordan you know, states Mr. Highland, that... your people are really quite primitive and barbaric. You dare say that to me. I dare say a good deal more. Let us go to my compartment and speak further. I'm always interested in information on the lower levels. I'll give you no information. Bobo. No. I want Mr. Hoyland in my cabin, please. No. No. I advise you to go quietly, Mr. Hoyland. Bobo has a hatred of superior beings, which is unfortunate, but quite understandable. Proceed. Enter, Mr. Hoyland. This is where you live? Yes. But you have books. Stolen from your libraries, Mr. Hoyland. Compton's Astrophysics, Philosophy of Interstellar Navigation, Celestial Mechanic. You've read these? Most of them. I had no idea that you... Why did you bring me here? What do you intend to do? Do you believe in Jordan, Mr. Hoyland? There is no other belief. And the trip. I suppose you believe in the trip, too. What else is there to believe? When you die, your remains are fed to the converter and your soul makes the trip. And where does the trip take you? By to Centaurus, of course. Ah. And where or what is Centaurus? Centaurus is... Mind you, I'm just telling you the orthodox answer. Centaurus is where you arrive when you've made the trip. A place where everybody is happy and where there's always good eating. And you believe this? Well, the... Peasants believe it literally, but many of the younger scientists, like myself, know it is figurative and symbolic. Why do you ask? Did it ever occur to you, Mr. Hoyland, that the trip is exactly what your peasants believe it is? What? And that the ship and all the crew were actually going somewhere, moving? The ship can't go anywhere. It already is everywhere. Imagine a place bigger than the ship. Much bigger. bigger. With the ship inside it, moving inside it. Can't be any place bigger than the ship. There just wouldn't be any place for it to be. Oh, for half's sake, listen. You know the lowest level? Of course. If you started digging a hole in the lowest level, where would that hole go? It's forbidden to think such thoughts. Where would it go? I can't think about it. Bobo. <coughs> We're going to take Mr. Hoyland to the place. No. Where Where are we going? To the top level. But that's certain death. Nonsense. I've been there a thousand times. Come no. along. No, I won't. I won't. You can't make me. I think we can. <laughs> Please. Now, shall we proceed peacefully, or shall I have Bobo persuade you? Open the door, Bobo. Inside. place is this? This, Mr. Hoyland, is the main control room. Mr. Hoyland, you're trembling. It isn't true. No. No, there's no such place except in mythology. Ah, you younger men are so wise, Mr. Hoyland, except for one thing. This happens to be the main control room of the ship. Main control? But it's just a huge room with an instrument panel. And what did you expect? How do you know this is the main control room? See these instruments? Using them, the navigator, many hundreds of years ago, actually steered the ship on its voyage. I don't understand. I didn't suppose you would. Sit down. Very well. Look up. What do you see? 
A huge shield. Watch it for one moment, Mr. Hoyland. You're going to see something that few of us have ever been privileged to witness. What are you doing? I'm dimming the lights. Don't be frightened. Keep your eyes focused on the shield above us. Ready? Watch. <gasps> it's sliding back. Coast of Jordan. Well? What am I seeing? The universe, Mr. Hoyland. The universe and all its beauty. The stars, the planets, the suns and moons and constellations. No. No, it can't be. The ship is the universe. There is nothing but the ship. Ah, but there it is. You see it before your eyes spread out like a canopy of glory. Do you still deny it? Answer me, Mr. Hoyland. Do you deny it? No. No, I can't deny it. They've lied. They lied to all of us. Good. <gasps> I have showed this to others of your people whom we captured, and though they saw it before their very eyes, they would not believe it. Please. Please tell me all about it. Tell me the truth about the ship and about the universe. What are these things? How did this come about? Many thousands of years ago, on a planet like those you have just seen, a planet called Earth, a scientist named Jordan decided to build a ship that would carry men from one planet to another. For many years, Jordan and thousands of others studied and planned. And when they were finished, they built the ship. A ship so large that it had to be assembled in its own orbit beyond a place called the moon. Sixty years it took them to construct. And when it was finished, a whole new science had been conceived. Then the trip was begun. The trip that was to land a colony of Earthmen on a far-off planet called Centaurus. Millions of light years beyond the furthest planet ever reached before. How do you know these things? Among my books are the log which Jordan himself kept and the records of the journey for the first 40 years. What happened? There was a mutiny. A man named Hath led a rebellion of those who wanted to turn back. In the struggle, the navigators were killed. The crew fell into a state of anarchy. In the years to follow, small groups of men tried to organize the ship for navigation, and each time they failed. Finally, the whole idea was abandoned. And so, for centuries... We have swung in space, unmanned, undirected, living in a lost world of our own making, without purpose, without direction. Why have you told me this? Can't you guess? You want to finish the trip. Yes, but I can't. You can't? Look at me, Mr. Hoyland. You see, a mutant, a man with a twisted leg. My people are outcasts, condemned to death if we so much as set foot in the lower levels of the ship. The main drive is in the lower levels where my people are forbidden to go. Oh, it would mean that both our people would have to work together. Our differences encouraged rather than denied. All right. I'll see the captain himself. I have an uncle on the central board. I'll tell him what I've seen here. And do you think he'll believe you? Send one of your people with me. 
That's asking a good deal. I'm risking a good deal by going back. Very well. Bobo will go with you. Bobo? He can't talk. There will be no need for talk. I will write a message guaranteeing safe conduct for a group of unarmed scientists to visit the main control room. Bobo will take you safely through our territory. What happens when you reach your own level is up to you. One moment. Yes, what? You. Quick, Uncle, let us in. Hey, but this, this mutant... He's harmless. Please, Uncle, please. Now, what is this? You want it for... I know all about that. Uncle, listen. I must see the captain. The captain? Are, are you mad? Uncle, you're a council member. You can get me to see He'll him. He'll kill you. You're one of the heresy. I don't care. I must speak with the captain. Now, Uncle, you're close to him. You can arrange it. I, I don't understand. Listen to me. The ship is moving. I can prove it. Do you understand? There is a purpose in the ship. I don't understand what you're babbling about. Now, never mind. Just talk to the captain. Tell him I have information of tremendous importance. Tell him I've arranged a truce with the mutants. Truce? Here. Show him this paper. Signed by their leader. Do it, Uncle, for my sake. I don't know what... Uncle, please, if I'm to die, let this be my last request to you. Very well. I'll speak to the captain. And you say, Mr. Hoyland, that you saw this with your own eyes? I swear it, Captain. I swear it on the word of Jordan. Hmm. Uh, let me see the paper again. Manderist, what do you think? I don't know, sir. It might be a trick. I guarantee you safe conduct. If these things are as Mr. Hoyland reports them, it would pay to risk a few lives. A man is a convicted heretic. Still, we must not discount his word. He has a safe conduct, and the mutant risked its life coming with him. I think we might investigate. Captain, you mean you will do it? I will have an expedition outfitted. Dismissed, Mr. Hoyland. Thank you, sir. Captain, do Commander you... Commander Sir. You will make the necessary arrangements for an expedition. And I trust you understand? Perfectly, sir. Perfectly. <laughs> Lieutenant. Mr. Hoyland. Hey, you better halt your men here. This is the spot. Patrol! Halt! Well, I see no welcoming party of mutants. Oh, there'll be none. Their leader will meet you inside the main control room. You don't say. Just where is this main control room? Beyond that door. I see. All right, men. Ready up. Lieutenant. Why do you ready arms? In case of ambush. Ambush? Now, wait a minute, Lieutenant. What are those men doing with that ray gun? Just aiming it at the door. Are you mad? No, Mr. Hoyland, but most certainly you are to think that we could be lured up here to be slaughtered with a fantastic story about some mythical control room. Guns ready, Lieutenant, sir. Lieutenant, I warn you, these people have acted in good faith. You can't break that thing. Oh, mutant! Come out! For Jordan's sake, Hold Lieutenant! It. Quiet for comfort. 
Mutant! Open the door! Please, Jordan. Don't let anything happen. Don't let... Are this opening ready, men? Someone's coming out. Steady. Gregory, stay back! Fire! You fools! You've killed him! Here come the rest of them. Fire! Fire! That should teach them a lesson they won't forget. All right, men, inside the room. Come on, Harland. You're under arrest for the conspirator in this ambush. Ambush, you fool. You blind, stupid fool. All right, that'll be enough. You've been inside this place before? Yes. What's this machinery? These are the controls he would have used to steer the ship. Gone out of his mind, Lieutenant. Steer the ship? Who? The leader, the one you killed. (laughs) This ugly mutant? This ugly mutant. Happened to be a man of true genius. Why, you're mad. Am I? Lieutenant... This man had a vision which would have saved you, but you chose to kill him because you couldn't stand the sight of his difference from you. Shut up, Highland. Don't listen to him, man. You can't shut your eyes and you can't shut your minds and you can't shut your ears to this! Roof's moving back! Yes, look! Let the vision of this confound your ignorance and blind your eyes! This is the heritage of stars and open skies for which men have yearned for centuries. Try to destroy this... And you will only destroy yourselves. Death to the heretic. But I... I say to you... That you can't keep this from our people. They... They will seek it out. The ship will be manned. And the ship will be steered. And there will be freedom, purpose and respect for ourselves. This is your heritage... Look! Look upon the universe! Kill him! X minus one has just brought you Universe, a story written by Robert Heinlein and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Heard in the cast were Donald Buca as Hugh, Peter Capel as Gregory, Bill Griffiths as Alan, Abby Lewis as the woman, Edgar Staley as the witness, Jason Johnson as the uncle, John Seymour as the captain, and Ian Martin as the lieutenant. Your announcer is Fred Collins. X-1 is directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. And now, next week, next week we have a strange story to tell. A sweet, blood-curdling little story that is really only two sentences long. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. And then, there was a knock on the door. What knocked on that door? You'll find out next week on... X. X, 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 X. Minus, 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 one. one.
those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and are passion, who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution, who would rather die than fall in line to conform, who constantly challenge the norm, who greet each and every day as if just born, I say to you I know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact I know it best when I say to you, I love you. The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. What he? 
If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kit Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRCollective.org. We'll see you there. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission. 
location at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. L-S-D, fap, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. This is Tosher Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Stand every Sunday at 1 p.m. Parking Ninos Unidos at 23rd and Folsom. The free farm stand and all volunteer run project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, helping making local growth, fresh and nutrients, organic produce accessible to all, especially the